We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one. Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim. What is up, Thunder and NBA fans? Welcome to the Uncontested Post Game Podcast. This is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You can find me at Taylor underscore P15 on Twitter. And you can find us at the underscore uncontested. You can listen to us. You can rate and review us anywhere you listen to your podcast. We are literally on just about every platform. So be sure to check us out and uh, leave us a review or a, a rating wherever you guys listen to your podcast. We are also part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, be sure to follow them on Twitter as well. They really they have some awesome content. Uh, if you guys are big NFL fans, they've been doing great on NFL Sundays. Uh, they post some awesome uh, videos and highlights as well. <laughs> they they always are good for a funny a funny uh, meme or whatever it may be for NBA NFL. Be sure to give them a follow because they really are super fun. Uh, with all that being said. I'm coming to you guys today with a, a or tonight I guess, with a post-game podcast that I did not really think I was going to be um, be doing tonight, to be completely honest. I was expecting to come in tonight and doing like maybe, I even tweet this out, maybe doing like a quick recap of my top five draft prospects for the 2020 NBA drafts. But here we are, and the Thunder ended up beating the last place Golden State Warriors, which, which still seems so strange to say so great to say as well um, they ended up by the grace of God securing their first road game of the season and being the Warriors 100 to 97 thanks to a late fourth quarter push the Thunder are now 6 and 10 on the season and they beat the Golden State Warriors <laughs> uh, within like it was essentially like a, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter they really turned it on it was super exciting really fun to watch uh, and they end up securing the win on the road so some pregame notes before we get started here, Draymond Green 
set out a yet another game with what the Warriors are calling a quote-unquote sore heel, a.k.a. we don't want you to play so we can continue to lose games and get the best draft pick possible this season. Hashtag light years, am I right? I mean, honestly, that's uh, kind of what it seems like at this point. And why should Dre try and push and push himself to play when you have uh, Steph out for an extended period? Obviously, Clay's going to be out for an extended period. And with the Warriors literally in last place uh, in the West, it doesn't really make sense for him to try and push himself to play. So I, I do get that. Meanwhile, for OKC, Hamadou Diallo, my beloved Hami. <laughs> He is still out, obviously, and actually did not make the West Coast road trip with the team as he recovers from a sprained elbow due to an hyperextension that he suffered in last Friday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Thunder announced today that he actually will be uh, at least out for four to six weeks. He'll be reevaluated four to six weeks from now. And I really do hate that for Hami. Uh, and obviously, I'm a diehard Hami fan, and it's kind of become like a little gag uh, within our podcast. But with all that being said, he really has played really great uh, this season. It's been a huge spark off the bench for this team. And when you have to, and we, we talked about this um, in the past couple of podcasts, but when you have to supplement those, or I guess replace those minutes that Hami provides off the bench with guys like Nader, and as much as I love Burton as a person and as a player, um, even Burton, it really is tough for this team. So it was really cool to see them kind of be able to uh, overcome that. And then obviously, I, I wish Hami a quick and speedy recovery. Um, and hopefully he can come back here within that four to six week period um, when they reevaluate him. Hopefully it's not another extended you know, couple of weeks before he's able to come back. He's able to come back as soon as possible and is able to uh, continue to improve and compete at a high level like he, he has been so far this season. So now for the game. Quick little recap before we jump to some themes. The first three and a half quarters of this game were honestly, like they were so dull and almost depressing. It honestly did not seem like the Thunder were going to win this one. Um, at one point during the game, I actually tweeted on the uncontested account that if the Thunder continued to blow it and their poor tank, <laughs> I would cover uh, my top five lottery picks for the 2020 NBA draft for this post-game podcast rather than cover the game because that's how dull and ridiculous this game was and how frustrating it was. From a Thunder Thunder fan perspective, particularly after watching this team compete at such a high level over the past week against two of the best teams, uh, the Clippers and the Lakers twice this past week, uh, the two of the best teams in the league, and then them coming out against literally the worst team in the league against the Warriors and playing so flat and dull. But thankfully, I did not have to do that. I did not have to supplement with my uh, my tanking post-game podcast, my top five lottery picks for the 2020 NBA draft. I get to actually cover this game because, like I mentioned, the Thunder came back in the fourth and was super exciting. So the first quarter, Thunder jump out to a 13-4 and four lead. Gallo, I, I believe he hit eight of those first 13, if my, memory, if my awful memory serves me right. Um, from there, the Thunder gave up nine straight to the Warriors. They let Glenn Robinson III and Kai Stinkin' Bowman just absolutely go off, and that would continue uh, into the first half. And it just kind of seemed to spiral downhill from there after the first quarter. Now, something I've noticed, Deontay Burton actually got in before Abdul Nader. I tweeted this. I was super excited, but apparently I jinxed it because, unfortunately, Nader actually came in shortly after, and Billy actually played them together. And at this point, I was like, oh my gosh, Billy's just throwing in the towel. He knows he's playing against the worst team in the league. He's just throwing in guys to get development minutes 
and he's going to rest CP3 and Gallo and Steven. Um, I was very concerned at this point, uh, particularly because after this, Golden State closed on a 22-10 run. So second quarter comes around, and honestly, there's not much more to say about the second quarter. It was rough for OKC. Golden State stayed in control. Um, per, per our guy Jacob uh, at Thundermom 405, Shea only played 13 first half minutes due to foul trouble, quote unquote foul trouble. It was only two fouls, but that still seemed low and rather strange, particularly when you're playing against, again, the last place team in the league uh, right now, or in the West right now. Uh, only two fouls. You would think that you would play your star young player uh, more than that. So it was, it was really strange. It almost seemed like Billy was trying to give these guys some rest. Um, the Thunder ended the first half with 10 turnovers to the Warriors' five, shot only five of 15 from three, and somehow their defense kept them alive. From there, there's nothing really to mention about the third quarter, honestly. Thunder got outscored 32-28 to in the third, just kind of the same old, same old from the first half. It looked like uh, the Thunder just weren't really in it. Their third quarter was continued. Um, they they looked pretty rough, and it honestly at this point I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter. I actually had a uh, I, I gotta give pat myself on the back a little bit here. I had a funny tweet. Uh, Chris Paul, there was a um, a moment where he put his arm around Billy, and it was almost like he was the one coaching Billy. It was really pretty funny. So I took a video of it and tweeted out. Um, so again, I was just I was very engaged in Twitter and was just kind of expecting the loss and like trying to brainstorm what in the heck am I going to cover for this post-game podcast well then the fourth quarter happens and the team I actually tweeted this out as well but the team is like the Goonies they never say die right for all of you the Thunder were down 10 uh, 97 to 87 with three minutes left in the fourth then Chris Paul goes down hits a three Steven gets a block on the other end of the floor now Gallo turns the ball over um, but they get a stop. Schroeder goes down, hits a three, and uh, the, the Warriors take take it back down on the other end of the floor. An offensive foul on Pascal, who's actually been playing great this season, particularly uh, kind of stepping up when some of these Warriors have been injured. Um, but he has an offensive foul. Steven gets fouled off ball on the other end of the floor. He hits one of two free throws. This makes it 97 to 94 Warriors. And actually, this is a really interesting stat, but these were the first two free throws of the second half and they came with for the Thunder, and they came with 132 left in the entire game, which kind of tells you how awful this entire game went uh, up until about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So Steven makes it 97 to 94, hitting one free throw. Um, they're obviously Thunder down by three, and then SGA happens. He gets a huge steal with one minute, 21 seconds left in the game, takes it down the floor for a layup, Thunder are down 96 to 97. Steven gets the Thunder's 12th block of the game, the 12th of 13 total blocks, leads to a CP3 mid-range shot to put the Thunder up. And no pun intended there. Hashtag Thunder up, am I right? Uh, 98 to 97 Thunder with a little over 30 seconds left. And this is the first time the Thunder had actually been up since it was 15-13 early in the first quarter, which seems absolutely crazy. But again, that just shows you how this game went all the way up until this point. Shea gets fouled again, hits both free throws, puts OKC up 197, and from there, SGA, Gallo, Ferg, they played great defense, causes Kerr to call a, uh, Steve Kerr to call a timeout with two seconds left, and then uh, Steven's able to get a, another block, the 13th block of the game, to end the game, Thunder win, pretty crazy. Thunder finished on a 13 to nothing run, held the Warriors scoreless for the last 318 of the game. I mentioned defense earlier, um, and that's going to be a recurring theme that I'll get into here in a second. 
but it was a great way to, to finish, and uh, honestly, a, a, a big morale booster, I think, for some of these guys on the team. So, after an incredibly exciting fourth quarter to secure the Thunder's first road win of the season, I have some themes. I'm going back to my positive and negatives, and per usual, I'm going to start with the negatives and end with the positives. Guys, we have to end with the positives. We have to stay positive through this rebuild uh, or this reposition, whatever you want to call it, before we start to rebuild. we got to stay positive, and I, I am. There's a lot to be positive about here. I'm really excited. So negatives. I'm going to flip this one later and actually make it a positive, which is cheating. I know, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander overall kind of had another subpar game, particularly against a subpar team um, like the Golden State Warriors right now. The injured Warriors only had eight active players tonight. Just to kind of give you guys a, a little bit of a feel. Um, Shea only had 12 points, 5 of 12 from the field, zero three-point attempts, which is really upsetting. Um, it probably is the biggest thing that sticks out to me um, from his stat line tonight. Um, you really want to see Shea continue to take more and more threes, as he has so far this season, but he did not tonight. He had three fouls, three turnovers, and again, this is against an inferior Warriors team, to be completely honest. Um, so that was a big negative. However, I will flip that into a positive later because I really feel like Shea was able to overcome that, which is really exciting. Um, but I mentioned his three-point shooting, but three-point shooting in general was another negative for the Thunder tonight. They end up 11, 11 of 33, which is 33.3% from the three-point line. And interesting enough, they're shooting, I looked this up uh, after the game because I was curious, and I'm not sure if uh, NBA stats had updated uh, these stats with tonight's game when I looked these stats up, but... The Thunder are shooting 36.9% at home, 33.8% uh, when they're away. So not as great as you would think when you have guys like Gallo, who seems to be lighting it up, and Shea, who seems to be uh, shooting from the three-point line a lot better than he did last season, like we talked about in our our weekly podcast uh, yesterday on Sunday. Um, and CP3 seems to be shooting the ball well, but overall, <laughs> those stats are not nearly as great as you would think um, for the three-point line for the Thunder. And then still... Even with that, the Warriors shot 45 for 45% from three. So that right there is killer. And no, I'm not talking about the Warriors of the past couple of seasons. I'm talking about the Warriors G League team, essentially, without uh, Steph, Clay, or Draymond. One more negative I have here is turnovers. The Thunder has 16 turnovers to the Warriors 13. And when you have vets like Chris Paul, Gallinari, and honestly, even Schroeder. You know, I know he kind of is like 100% go all the time. And... Uh, that can be a positive for this team. It's almost like a poor poor man's rust in, in, a, in a way. Um, but when he's playing like that, it's going to lead to turnovers. And you kind of take the turnovers, kind of take the negatives with the pauses when it comes to uh, shooters play. But even then, um, you really don't want to see that from guys like Shooter. Like I said, CP3, Gallo. Um, it's just it's really unacceptable against a team like this depleted Warriors team. The Warriors scored 20 points off of those 13 turnovers. And it shows that this game was rather sloppy really up until the very end of the fourth quarter, like I keep mentioning. Um, so those are really kind of the, the negatives that stood out the most to me. I, I think there obviously were more. But those were kind of the three that I went, at least wanted to touch on um, for this, this quick post-game podcast. Now, to end this, uh, to, to round this one out, let's jump into some into some positives because there were quite a few positives as well that were exciting and optimistic. The first of those being the Thunder's defense, particularly the fourth quarter defense. You know, the Thunder had a season-high 13 blocks, which was huge. Um, a lot of that had to do with Nerlens. 
you know, we've talked a lot about Nerlens on this podcast. You guys have probably seen on Thunder Twitter, if you guys are active Thunder Twitter members, um, you probably have seen quite a few people talking about Nerlens and how he's played so far this season. Um, but he had five blocks tonight, which were huge. A couple of those were critical. Steven had three blocks, and two of those were huge in the fourth quarter. Shea had three, which is awesome to see from Shea. Um, if he can contribute three blocks and multiple steals a game on the defensive end of the floor, combined with what he's able to do offensively, I mean, that just continues continues to, um, to build his confidence and also just shows you his potential as a two-way player, as a as essentially a star in this league. So that was really cool to see from Shea as well. And then Ferguson round that out with two, which is also nice uh, for one of arguably our best defender on the team to, for him to get two blocks right there. So um, 34 of OKC's 43 rebounds were defensive rebounds. Another great stat. I think that that shows the uh, the defensive mentality of this team, particularly tonight, and how they were able to stay in the game. I think that was a great stat that they uh, were able to get defensive rebounds, which helped them obviously stay in this game when they were really struggling those first three quarters or first three and a half quarters, to be completely honest. Thunder shot 10 of 22. 46% from the field while holding the Warriors to 5 of 21 or 24% shooting in the fourth quarter. You know, I talked about that fourth quarter defense. That right there just shows you how great that defense really was. I don't know if it was the Warriors getting tired, only, have eight, only having eight players. Um, obviously, not having some of their stars is a huge part of that. But regardless, it's probably a little bit of both. Them getting tired and the Thunder's defense really stepping up there. With the offense struggling the majority of the game, even with giving up like 25 points to Glenn Robinson, 24 points to Kai Bowman. Um, it really was a defense that kept OKC within striking, dis- within striking d- distance. And once the shots started to fall in the fourth, the defense only intensified from there, which is extremely exciting. Uh, as a fan, it's really exciting to get behind that when you see guys like uh, Nerlens and Steven getting blocks uh, late in the game. That really gets you, you pumped up. It gets the other guys pumped up. And you see guys like Shea stepping up, getting those steals um, and getting fast break points to put the team up. And um, Steven getting fouled on the other end, hitting those free throws. That's all ignited by the on the defensive end of the floor. And it's really cool to kind of see OKC embrace that identity. And, um, and again, that just it keeps them in the game. So uh, it really led to an extremely exciting comeback. And that kind of leads me to another point, another positive. And this one, <laughs> don't really stats to back this up. I, just, I, I feel like it, it's worth mentioning. This team never quits. Over the last five games, the Thunder have had an average point differential of 4.2 points. And it's to be noted that four of those, four of those games consisted of uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers twice, and then obviously tonight's game against the Warriors. And I think that really shows the, the grit of this team, um, how well-rounded they are. I mean, that, that really is pretty impressive. And um, so they, they may be losing some of these games, but again, it's not it's not by very much. And they're remaining competitive. And a lot of you guys probably won't want to hear this, but they're losing enough of these games that it really is going to help their, their draft position um, come, come the lottery. It's going to help them get a better lottery pick this coming season and help them get a, therefore, help them get a better pick um, to help them with the rebuild. So I think that's exciting and something to to be looking for as well for a Thunder fan. Another positive I have, Steven continues to look healthy and better. Had 10 points tonight, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 4 of 6 from the field, all in 27 minutes. His minutes were kind of limited there. 
maybe because Billy was trying to kind of uh, quote-unquote low manage him. I'm not really sure. I don't think that he ever came out and said that necessarily. Kind of seemed that way. Um, also, Nerland's really solid play on both ends of the four tonight. Kind of probably added to that, and Billy wanted to split those minutes. Uh, but against a team like the Warriors, when you would hope you don't really need Steven as much, uh, it would make sense for him to rest him a little more. So in his limited time, he really did play great, and it, it's awesome to see Steven really stepping it up here over these past couple of games. seems that he's uh, healthy physically, or more healthy physically, and hopefully mentally as well. And I just hope to continue to see him uh, increase his confidence level um, on the floor and for his teammates to see that as well and continue to feed him. So speaking of centers, I mentioned this guy a couple times already, Nerlens Noel. Again, even with Steven back and looking as good as Steven has looked, Nerlens played only seven minutes less than Steven. And I realized that, some again, some of that has to do with playing the Warriors and trying to get Steven a little more rest uh, during games that, that he's, he's able to, that Steven's able to get more rest against <laughs> lesser teams like the Warriors. But Nerlens, I think that also is a testament to how great Nerlens has played recently and how much Billy is trusting him uh, down the stretch. Nerlens led the team with five blocks, as I mentioned earlier. He also had nine points, five rebounds, and he was four of six from the field, which is huge. He continues to look great, and Nerlens is a really big positive. Again, whether that's his trade value skyrocketing or whether that's him stepping up into a bigger role for this team moving forward um, in the coming season, maybe even the, the, the coming next couple of seasons. It's really cool to see Nerlens kind of take that next step. Next, speaking of trade value, there's a guy on this team named Dennis Schroeder, and his trade value skyrocketing is a positive. At least I hope it's skyrocketing. I don't know if skyrocketing is the right term, but it is at least rising, I would, I would like to think. Um, and look, I like Dennis. I really do. Um, he's been great for us. Obviously, last season, he was pretty huge for us overall, and it was really cool to have another ball handler to come in and help Russ out. This season, he's been huge for us, just keeping us competitive and keeping the, keeping us in games. But when he's throwing up 17, yes, 17 shots and leading the Thunder in shot attempts game after game, this isn't the first game this has happened, I'd much rather see him just get traded and for those shots to get distributed to guys like Shea, like Ferg, like Baisley, even like Steven. Hopefully he's still on the team at that point. It just it's almost becomes detrimental um, to our young guys on the team when you have a veteran like like Schroeder coming in and, and throwing up shots like that. Again, maybe great for the team in terms of winning, but is that really what's best for the team moving forward in terms of development? And that's why I keep trying to uh, maybe justify isn't the right word, but it kind of tried to process. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how Pressy processes this as well and kind of the direction he he wants to move forward uh, with this team come trade deadline. And then also um, just the amount of interest that Shooter gains come the trade, trade deadline or a little before. Um, so that'll be interesting kind of monitor. But nevertheless, it's, it's great to see Shooter playing well because at the very least that increases his trade value. So finally, I mentioned this earlier, but my last positive that I have here is actually a, a negative I had from earlier in Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mentioned he had another rough night overall when looking at his, his over, overall stat line. But as we mentioned on our weekly podcast yesterday, um, Monday morning, and you guys should go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. It was a really good podcast. We went through a lot of great Thunder content and NBA league-wide content, but we, we mentioned Shea a little bit. It's great for Shea to go through these struggles, uh, particularly now when you have guys, particularly Chris Paul, 
and Chris Paul's mentorship to kind of help him through these struggles. And, and while he's young, for him to, to be going through these now rather than a year down the road or another two years down the road, two seasons down the road. And then not only for him to go through those and experience those, but to see him overcome those. And I'm not talking about overcome struggles the first half of the season, the second half of the season, he he's overcoming them and looking better. He's doing the these, or he's overcoming these struggles um, during the games <laughs> on a game-by-game basis. And what I mean by that, I think a perfect example of this is Shea gets a steal with about a minute left. I mentioned this earlier, but he drives all the way, gets the layup, but OKC within one point. Uh, and this is with like maybe a minute 30 left, if I remember correctly. He hits two clutch free throws late to secure the Thunder lead a couple possessions later, followed by a game-winning block. I, and I believe it was him who had the block and not Steven. I might have said Steven earlier. Uh, I, th- I think it was Shea who got that at the end of the game. But regardless, just his confidence um, and his ability to be able to overcome some in-game struggles, I think is just really incredible and is a testament to, A, his basketball IQ and also his, his overall confidence in himself and his, his skill level. Um, and I think that mentality is really going to help him moving forward and could be what pushes him to that superstar, superstar level. Um, I actually tweeted this, but I feel like he has the IQ, the skill, and the athleticism to be a superstar. And I'm just hoping once some of these guys are traded, he's able to continue to develop and harness that demeanor of a superstar. And I think, again, having guys like Chris Paul, and uh, not to say Gallinari is a superstar necessarily, but veterans like Gallinari, and for Shea to be around some of these guys, uh, even Steven, and just developing that mentality, I think is it's going to be huge for him as he tries to make that, that leap to superstardom as he continues to mature. So those are all the positive and negatives that I have uh, for tonight's game. I'm going to jump to your Twitter questions really quick before we head out of here. Really appreciate you guys. You guys uh, gave me some great ones again. A good combination tonight between some funny ones and actually some, some really good uh, basketball-related questions. So I really appreciate you guys continuing to send those in, and we'll answer as many of those as possible. So the first one I have tonight, or the first one I'm going to answer, is from the Primetime Prophet. And he asked, he honestly asked a really good question. It's kind of funny, but it honestly uh, makes a lot of sense. He asked, does this even count as a win or would you rather have just lost this? And what he's referring to is, would we rather just rack up these losses and get a better draft pick? And honestly, yes, I think um, the best thing for the team moving forward is to get the best picks possible uh, moving forward. With that being said, though, particularly now, before Pressy has traded guys like maybe a Chris Paul, um, Gallinari, maybe Shooter, maybe Noel, maybe Steven, whoever it is come trade deadline. This team, the way they're currently constructed, we're still, as Pressy has called it, the repositioning phase. And while we're in this phase, especially for the young guys, I want to take advantage of having these vets around the young guys and getting them in these critical game, um, these these close game, these competitive game experiences, and just continue to develop them. It's almost like a fast track of development and and just getting them these these big time big game situation getting them in these big big game situations um so all that to say that right now i'm not necessarily sure if that's what we want however come trade deadline 100 percent, we want to lose every single game from that point forward and try and increase our our lottery chances for a a top five draft pick so that was a great question really appreciate it 
Next one we have here is Daniel Cohan at Danny underscore co underscore BIS. He asks, does anyone notice how good Ferg is on defense? Really, he has taken it to another level. Just from the eye test is what I am seeing. That is a great point. There are stats to back those up as well. I would encourage you, Daniel, as well as everybody who hasn't already, uh, I already mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but go back and listen to our group podcast that we dropped uh, Monday morning because we talked about a lot about this. And Ferguson's defense has been phenomenal. It really has. After those first couple of games, he really kind of flipped a switch. And his defense on even Braun, uh, LeBron James, Paul George, he guarded Kawhi there a little bit last week. And then tonight, you know, obviously against lesser opponents, but he still played great. Uh, his positioning is there. Uh, he's, he's holding his own in terms of strength. And um, I, I've been really impressed with Ferguson on ball, off ball. He's looked great on the defensive end. A little hit or miss offensively, but he's continued to improve there as well over the past couple weeks. And so it's really promising, really exciting to see Ferguson's development, particularly on the defensive end, as Daniel asked and as he mentioned. So the next one we have here is Donnie Hazelwood, I believe. Maybe Hazelwood. I think it's Hazelwood, though. (laughs) At DN4STY. He asked, will OKC ever lose a game if Deontay Burton takes at least one step back three per game? This is pretty funny. Um, He actually tweeted me right after the game and said that I believe OKC is 1-0 and or something like that this season. And when Deontay takes a step back three, and what he's referring to is something that I honestly kind of laughed out loud at when it happened. But Deontay had a step, or he he attempted a step back three and just bricked it off the backboard. And I felt really bad, but it honestly was so funny. And uh, But you are correct, Donnie, that the Thunder are 1-0 and when Deontay does that. So we need more step back Deontay uh, three-point shots, apparently. So I'm with you there. And finally, we have Baze Gilgius Alexanderberg. He's combining all the Thunder player names. Pretty impressive, by the way. I, I like that. And he asks, why do I feel gross even though we won? Which is very similar to the first question we got from the Primetime Prophet. Um, and you're exactly right. You know, As I was kind of going through this podcast, giving you guys the rundown uh, early on in the podcast, it really was a rough, gross game. And somehow we overcame it and had a great ending uh, to the game. We are able to, to pull out a, a win against a team that we really should have beaten by much more than this. We beat them by much more than this earlier in the season. So I, I feel you, um, Bayes, Gilgis, Alexander Burke. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of tough, but you know what? We pulled it out, we got the win, and we're just going to continue to remain competitive until the trade deadline, and we're going to try and get the best pick possible at that point. So thank you guys again for sending in those questions. I really appreciate it, and continue to send those in, and we'll try to, to uh, try to answer as many of those as we can moving forward. So I think that's all I got. Thank you again, guys. Um, I'm really appreciative of you guys tuning in, listening to us, continuing to follow us. Up next, the Thunder have the Portland Trailblazers to finish their two-game uh, West Coast road trip. They will be going up to Portland to play the Trailblazers at, I believe, 9 o'clock on Wednesday night, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, that'll be another really fun, interesting game, even without Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Still a rivalry, and it'll be interesting to see if Portland kind of bounce back and if the Thunder really step up their game compared to tonight when they play the Warriors. So stay tuned for that. We'll have you guys covered there. We will have you guys covered Friday uh, when the the Thunder play the New Orleans Pelicans after Thanksgiving. And speaking of Thanksgiving... Thank you guys again for tuning in. We honestly are extremely thankful for all of you guys. Um, the growth that we've seen over the, the past year specifically, over the summer, uh, even over 
the early, early season, a regular NBA season so far has been huge, and we cannot thank you guys enough. We're extremely thankful for you all. We would like to here at the Incontestant wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all stay safe. Hope you all have a great time with family and friends and whatever you find yourself doing over Thanksgiving. And be sure to tune in Wednesday night, right before Thanksgiving, and Friday, right after Thanksgiving. We will have you guys covered. We'll have a group pod next Sunday. And until you guys hear from us next time, thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.